Hey, welcome to the show we call No Feel See the Market. This is the show where we have a conversation from three different perspectives on how we see the market. Patrick looks at the news and he understands the emotions that's going through the, the market. Then we have Everson. He's our fundamentalist and he understands what's a good apple and what's a bad apple and he'll act accordingly. And then finally, it's me, Max, on the technical analysis. Uh, my specialty is looking at charts and understanding through the um, candlesticks what I think is going to happen and looking at the support and resistance. So today, the big topic is coronavirus. Is the market oversold, undersold? Everson, what do you think about it? I, I have to think that this is a, a bear market all the way. A uh, couple of reasons. I mean, when we look at the data statistics, we don't have a lot of data out there. Um, you know, I I looked at just Hawaii alone. It's said to be uh, nurse advice from Chaminade University. Uh, one of the professors there at Chaminade University here in Honolulu had said that there's only about eight people that have actually been tested for the uh, coronavirus. It, numbers probably have changed now, but when you look at the sheer scale of everything, we don't have we don't have testing kits. Um, that was never prepared. Uh, a lot of the preparation had been done uh, for nuclear attacks and such. So the biological um, preparations, there's no money funding the, the biological preparation. So when we look at vaccines, right, especially, it'll take about maybe one to two years before uh, a vaccine can actually be released uh, to the general public. Uh, wow. They have to do their testings on mice and whatnot. So there's... There's a lot of research that still needs to be done. I, I just think that we're, we're far away. I mean, maybe we look at A for, for the markets to come back. I, I see high volatility in, in and out of the markets, but I think that for the most part, we're looking at a bear market uh, moving forward for a little bit. Uh, okay. I, I just don't see otherwise. I mean, Patrick, what do you think? I mean, there's no doubt. Right now, the market's getting absolutely crushed. It's, it's a one-two punch, the virus, and now the price war on oil is absolutely crushing the market and putting so much um, instability and fear in the market. Uh, just saw today, like, oil is tumbling 30%. Double that with the coronavirus. Uh, the market's absolutely getting crushed right now. And we're in for a very rocky week. Uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but it's going to be fireworks this week. What do yeah, the charts say? You mentioned something that was interesting to me um, that brought to my mind about the supply chain. Uh, as we know that in China, the supply chain is, is basically there's a very limited supply chain. Uh, so good, good for good for America, good for their agenda, trying to move businesses back to America and, and create business for ourselves, um, as well as the uh, relations between Canada and, and Mexico. We have that tra trade agreement uh, where they haven't cut back on the supply chain just as much as China has. There's a great concern in Europe, there's a great concern in China where they've actually um, slowed to even uh, froze their supply chain. So it, it makes a big difference. Um, you just brought up a point that, that just reminded me of that. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So you're right. It is a one-two punch, Patrick. Uh, you know, looking at the oil just dropping just because they're predicting uh, less consumer spending on entertainment, traveling, tourism. Um, but the way I see it is it's going to bottom out pretty soon. And the reason is because now um, a company's expense in, in transportation is going to diminish a lot. Um, so now it's going to make it a lot cheaper to export things. Right. Um, so sure that coronavirus is putting that lid on top of that um, export for a while. But now people are going to buy some um, uh, some boats, some ship. Uh, they're going to collect as much oil as they can. So as the price starts recovering, they still have very cheap oil. Um, so personally, looking at this volatility, um, I'm going to be I, personally, I would be a little bit more um, risk adverse. I would diminish my exposure. So let's say if I'm buying calls or puts. Uh, I would make sure that I'm not risking a lot. Um, so there's potential for great profits, but I don't want to put too much uh, money on the table if I'm just buying puts. Um, how would you trade according to this volatility, Patrick? Well, just my opinion, but I think it's going to get a lot worse before, before it gets better. I agree. Uh, so, like, I, I'm, right now I'm in full bear mode because that one punch... Yes, what you're saying about um, it's going to increase consumer spending a little bit, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a net negative because the U.S. economy has grown a lot from the shale drilling, and that entire, all of those projects right now are shut down. They're expected to, like, it might go as low as $20 a barrel, and it's just not profitable. So it's going to be a net negative for energy for at least several months while the trade war is going. So right now I'm in full uh, bear mode. Wow, okay. Um, what about the companies though? I sorry about that, Max. Uh, what, that's what about all right. the companies there? You know, when you look at earnings, we still have companies here in America that they're producing in earnings. They're doing well. Um, they're beating expectations. I mean, does that even play a factor into the growth of businesses? We still got businesses here. I, I, I mean, let's just look at mattresses, for instance. I mean, mattress companies, uh, a lot of mattress companies are moving out of China and starting to do their own mattresses here. It's just, I, I think this, this sentiment of uh, the growth in, in America is, is just changed to wanting to buy an American brand. Uh, I, I don't know if that's different from in the mainland. I mean, here in Hawaii, uh, it's... It, it's starting to, I'm starting to see that a little more where people are, are kind of interested in buying more American than they would be uh, buying Chinese products. Well, so in my opinion, the, the quarterly earnings is, is a, uh, it's kind of a measurement of the past. It's so it's not up to the present. Um, right. so we're not seeing the effect of the cor coronavirus, right. uh, lower sales, lower productivity, manufacturing, um, and so I understand, Patrick, you're, you're bearish in this mode now, and, and it might tumble some more. And that's why my, my risk would be dimin diminished. So instead of looking, you know, if I'm, again, if I'm talking about buying calls and puts, if I'm looking for usually a two-to-one ratio, so for every dollar I risk, I want to make $2 in my, uh, my profit, at this point, I would actually make it a little bit higher where I'm looking to make $3 for every dollar I risk. Why? Right because who knows where it's going. Tomorrow it might drop 
but uh, the day after that, it might go up 15%. So right. there's no sure way of predicting it. So that way I would reduce my risk, make sure that um, I'm increasing the profits that I'm looking for. And the reason why that's important for me is because it's, um, if you do the math, if you uh, make $2 for every $1 you risk, you only need to make uh, 34% to 35% of your trades uh, to be winners in order to make money. Now that I'm looking about making $3 for every $1 I risk, now I only need to make about 26% of my trades winners in order to make uh, a profit. So that's why uh, I would reduce how much I'd risk. Yeah. So if, if the I only thing that, is that, yeah, what I was going to say is that I feel like right now, uh, because of all of these attacks on the market, we're just seeing the opposite of the momentum investing. Like there was a lot of fear of missing out in the market, right? And that's why we kept seeing new peaks all the time. But now the problem is it's going to go the opposite way. Now everyone wants to get out of the path of destruction. So it's, it's going to be a very good opportunity to buy when it reaches the bottom. But right now, today, who can predict what the bottom is? Like, yeah. right. We're just going straight down right now. Um, can I say something real quick and then I'll pass it on to you, Everson? Uh, I completely agree with you, Patrick. Uh, but my stance is always I'd rather be one of the first to buy instead of being one of the last to buy. Um, go ahead, Everson. What were you going to say? So just just by curiosity, uh, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a buyer right now, I'm, I'm a bull. And I've, maybe I've tried to call a bottom... I don't know. Last week, Friday. Okay. And and, and so, <laughs> right. And so I've I've put in quite a bit. Maybe. Uh, what would you say to that bull trader out there? Would you recommend that that bull trader take out their money and and let the the price drop or price correction happen, and then come back into the market, or do they do they take a risk and sell off some of the? Uh, uh, you know, what, what would you say? What would you do? It's, is that me or Patrick? Uh, both of you. It's fine. Yeah, what would you start. recommend for a, a bull right now in, in this bear market? <laughs> okay. Uh, so it depends how you approach the market. If you're going strictly as as um, buying puts or calls, and so you're saying you're a bull, so that means you uh, probably bought some calls. Um, it depends how much of your portfolio is exposed to the market. Um, if it's just like 10 or 20%, then I would actually sell some calls on that position just to reduce your exposure. Um, but if your entire portfolio is bought into calls, that's a different story. And you might have to reallocate or you could actually roll uh, down your trade. Um, but at this point, you want to reduce your exposure to risk. And you want to make sure that everything you're trading has a potential to make some good money. Now, personally, I do more theta trading, uh, which is a little bit different. And if you're in that kind of trading, I would go more into in the money calls, but that's a different story. Uh, and then Patrick, what would you recommend? So of course it all depends on what time frame you're looking at. Uh, if you're looking at like three or five years, it's going to go back up. So a company that's strong, you're going to get through this like they always do. And eventually it's going to keep going up. So I would just stay put, anchor down, keep it as it is. 
But if you have extra money to invest, I just try to lower my cost basis every time it keeps dropping. So yeah, that would be the strategy I would go with right now. Like big good companies that are going to go through like rough times and just keep dropping your cost basis every time it drops, buy a little bit more. Very um, good point. Defensive stocks, right? Defensive stocks, I think. Uh, would there be a buy recommendation for any stocks in particular in this type of market? That's a good question. I mean, it looks like uh, people have stopped buying the Tesla stock that jumped a lot. Um, but uh, in terms of a stock that I would recommend right now, well, to be honest, I have not bought a stock since 2016. I've been a huge bear on the stock market, so I'm more into commodities, ETFs. Um, but in terms of getting a stock right now... Um, or maybe not a particular stock, but maybe a sector that we should be looking out at. I, I would see that the pharmaceutical sector is, has been doing pretty well. Um, you know, last on Friday, I think it was uh, Gillette. Gillette popped about 5% last that I, I, I think. <laughs> Uh, we also had I, I know, I know did really well. He had just a couple of stocks that, uh, that were investable in the uh, coronavirus field. So they were doing the research, um, uh, creating the drug for for that. Uh, but I mean, is pharmaceutical still the end game for the rest of the week? And you know, looking forward. So to be honest, I wasn't even thinking about that, but that's actually a pretty good sector to be in. Why? Because Big Pharma finally uh, got a nod from Trump because Trump has kept them as, as, at a distance for quite a long time. But because of the coronavirus, they're right. finally going into an agreement. And so is that what you're referring to? Yeah, because I see it even across the board with the um, with the medical field. Anytime that, you know, when, when you look at the Ebola virus, when the Ebola virus is taking place, uh, it was all hands on deck at that point. Uh, so, and the CDC does an excellent job at trying to um, bring countries together. Uh, a little bit of hesitation in the beginning with China because, uh, you know, whatever issue, I, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but whatever issues, they didn't want the CDC to come in and that uh, held back and hindered some of the data research. So now we're just sort of, like you said, Max, we're filling in the... Uh, the missing links here, and I, I really do think also that maybe in the next two to, two to three months that uh, actually yeah two, two to three months that we'd actually see maybe a, a a curve and a peak at the numbers, and hopefully we see that decline um, somewhere in uh, May or June. I'd yeah. Say. Okay. So big pharma's on the so, table, Patrick. What are you looking at? Well, personally, I've not much of a fan of pharmaceuticals uh, just because of the fact that as you mentioned earlier I, it takes so long to develop uh, a vaccine or something if we're talking about medical supplies like 3m that's one thing but if we're talking about pharmaceuticals themselves then they have to do the testing and everything it's going to take years and by that time the virus might be like distant memory right so i don't like to really invest in things that are like short span like this, where we don't, of course, we don't know how long the virus is going to be like a main concern, but I'm not seeing it for like three or five years. So personally, I would avoid pharmaceutical stocks and focus on other industries. 
Okay. What industry? What industry would you would you look at? It all depends on what's going to crash. Because if you remember the Great Recession, uh, the stocks that were hit the hardest are often the ones that rebounded the most, right? So, like for example, I'm not, I wouldn't buy uh, airlines right now, right? Oh, Obviously, no. I was thinking about fall. that too. Or or, or uh, cruise <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but in six months, when everything's calmed down, like once they bottom out, or you know, the ones that are solid, it might be a good time to buy a little bit of them, like as they're really low, then eventually, slowly but surely, they'll grow because they'll have a you know, they'll have a much higher ceiling than other companies hey, that are staying. Is, is it all right if I just jump in? And I just wanted to make sure that the, the viewers understood why we're talking about sectors. And the reason is because when a few sectors are doing poorly and people are pulling the money out of those sectors, they're not just going to keep it at home. They want to reallocate those investments into sectors that they feel are going to profit from whatever's happening in the market. And so... That's what we're trying to look at right now, us three, is, okay, they're pulling money out of these sectors. Where is that money going to flow to? Right. All right. right. So, I'm sorry. I just wanted to let the viewers know about that. I, I yeah. So, to... right now, everyone's going to go into this, what's considered the safe havens, right? Gold, silver, um, probably, what is it? Uh, healthcare stocks, usually. Uh, what's the other one? Thanks. We talk about it all the time. Oh, um, cons um, consumer. Yeah, uh, Dollar General, like yeah. consumer goods like that. Consumer Cheap stores. Goods, like Conagher, Conagher Foods, yeah. Conagher Foods, Kellogg's, that type. Yeah. Um, th Those are defensive stocks. Yeah, yeah. they call exactly. them defensive yeah. stocks. Right. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. You know, I've I seen, I know we mentioned about the airliners. I actually seen last week where Hawaiian Airlines actually popped a good 5%. Now, in their defense, it was because of the way the pricing was, the pricing was structured. There are some places where, where flights go to areas that are a huge concern. So they can discount these, these flights because of the fact that there's not a lot of travelers. So it, it may be a concern to be able to be traveling right around this time, but at the same time, to, to some people that you know maybe you're not at the age of uh, you know whatever that age bracket would be, or you don't have any health concerns, you might want to just you know take an interest. I, I hear that with this virus, it's the younger kids that would sometimes contract the virus, but no symptoms. And they wouldn't get any symptoms. They contract the virus, and it'll go just like the flu. Um, but you you can affect others, uh, others, and, and and transfer that and make them your host. So it, it's not a lot is known about how the virus works. So it, there's so many gray areas in knowing how this this virus would would you know, transpire and everything. But I have seen that, like I said, Hawaiian Airlines has been pretty good. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily knock all airlines, but I would look at the best breed of, of airlines. So if you have connections with flights to China or some of these heavily hit areas like Italy, then maybe that might be a problem. But you look at the, the overall because there's, let's face it, there's always bad apples with good apples. And, and 
you know, in every sector, no matter what. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, Patrick, back in uh, the, the recession time in 2008, where a lot of the stocks are bear, bear market, right? And then what we saw was it, Cisco Systems was the only stock that, that was trending back then. It was the only stock that did really well back in the, in the recession times. And that was because they needed something for uh, for the uh, infrastructure for networking and everything. And I, I, I think that the government contracts, that's where, like you were saying, Max, the, the money funneled in into an area. Money just doesn't sit necessarily. Institutional funds is always moving. And, and we're, we're looking to put our money in, in a sector. So uh, I, I just wanted to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's almost like Einstein's equation, you know, e equals MC squared. Money doesn't just disappear. It's reallocated somewhere. And right. I don't know if you guys have looked at the bond rates, but I, I think it's below right. 1%. Why? Because everyone's trying to be safe in that investment right now. Right. So when you're looking at where, where's the money going right now, one of the sectors would be the bond market. Yeah, we saw that reflection with the Treasury bill also, the 10-year Treasury bill. Yeah. What do you think about that, Patrick? Well, so with that information, like, where do you guys, what do you guys see coming this week? Because it's going to be very volatile, very high roller coaster, in my opinion. So, what should people like expect this week, and what, like, how should they handle basically their portfolio this week? Uh, um, I like personally, I'd be very cautious about. I'd be very cautious about making big bets because. Someone's going to try to stabilize the market. Last uh, last week, we saw the Fed cut. They're anticipating another cut next month, right. possibly 75 uh, basis points. We're not there yet, but the market's panicking. There's going to be a lot of roller coasters this week. Well, I, I do think, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Patrick. Uh, I do think that that's causing some of the fear in the market also by the Fed's cutting interest rates. Uh, I heard it said, and I believe this myself, is why 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 do we cut rates at this moment, at this present time? I, I don't think we should cut rates. I think we should hold steady. Maybe if we do cut rates, we cut rates at a, a 0.25% instead of cutting rates at a 0.5% at a or even at a 0.75%. This is a health crisis. It's not a financial crisis. So when we make the adjustment on the, uh, on the idea that uh, people are going to go out and buy homes or buy cars. They don't want to buy cars. They don't want to buy a home. They want to be stuck in the in the fact that maybe their their sons and daughters or even themselves get trapped with uh, you know contracting the coronavirus themselves, and now they have to worry about taking care of their own personal health at the same time worry about this new car that they picked up, this new Tesla that they picked up or something, you know? Yeah, um, and you're right. We don't know a lot about this virus and. The biggest problem is the flu has an incubation uh, period about one to four days. Uh, this coronavirus has between 24 and 27 days with no symptoms. So who knows how many people have it right now? Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think that the market is oversold because it's not going to affect the earnings this much. But um, so that's why I think we're getting close to the bottom. But again, this week, like Patrick, you were saying, um, what are we looking at this week? I'm trying to reduce my exposure to the market while maximizing how much I'm going to make. Um, so if I'm buying straight uh, calls and puts, I'm going to make sure I'm at least getting a three to one ratio. 
If I'm actually selling positions, I want to make sure that I'm in the money. That way, if uh, it drops, it's not my money that I'm losing. Um, right. And so, but what do you expect is going to happen this week? Like, what are the big events that are going to? Because right now, as of filming this, uh, the Dow futures are down 1,100 points. That's a massive drop overnight. Uh, So usually, I I consider weeks based on how many up and down uh, days there will be. So this week, I think it's going to be three down days with two up days, Um, and the up days will be lower than the down days. Um, So. I think, uh, Patrick, you were saying that you were on the bearish stance right now. So a 3-2 week to me would be definitely bearish. Um, so if you're on a neutral stance, at least drop it a little bit more into the bearish stance and make sure that you're not really um, exposing yourself too much if it goes down because um, it could go down significantly. And I have to agree with something with, with a logic like that um, just to shed some light on, on your your three bull, bull days and you know, uh, three bear days, days, three bear days and, and yep. two bull days. My mistake. Uh, that's institutional money. That's that's people trying to protect their 401ks. That's people trying to protect their uh, retirement funds. So a lot of it, though, is institutional money to stimulate the the stock or, or, the, or uh, yeah, to stimulate the stock or to stimulate the, the company. Um, often what I see is CEOs and CFOs and such executives, they would do this to bring confidence in, into that stock. So I think you're right. I think we see uh, a little, little gains, not, not too much movement. But to go back to what Patrick was saying, uh, as far as the sectors and where we see uh, growth and where we see where we could hide as a defensive, I, I think, you know, you folks are all right in line with the I, I like Conador Foods. Uh, I, I think it's a great company. Um, it's got a dividend, so you could weather the storm with that. Um, and I, I'm, I'm also looking at uh, pharmaceutical companies only because there really isn't anywhere else that we can move our money into that's really providing answers for the future. And a lot of that institutional funding is going into that sector. So my strategy for this week is not going to be sell it just or buy. Actually, it's only going to be protection mode, uh, basically edging my current portfolio because I don't think that we're anywhere near the bottom. Not going to up. So what to do then? Like for me, it's just staying put, bunkering down, waiting for the storm to pass, and Are then you- once we start seeing a little bit of momentum. Then I'm going to restart buying. Are you staying cash? Are you are you are you staying cash? Then are you staying on the sidelines? No, but I'm going to hedge my current positions with either puts or whatever uh, in the money calls, possibly. Right. Just making sure that if it drops more, I'm protected. Would you buy long on puts? I don't think it. I don't think we're there yet. I think that with the trade war on oil, it's going to keep the market down for a long time with the virus. Anytime we saw it last week, people wanted to go up, right? We see little sparks every so often. Went up like what was it, 1,100 points last week, one day. But as long as the virus is there, acting as a lid, it's not going to go back up. So as Max said might get two up days, but it's going to keep getting crushed by the down days. 
So for me right now, it's just staying put. I don't expect any upside movement for several weeks or maybe a few months. Okay. In, in a wrap up, how about you, Max? So I'm just looking at the chart right now for the uh, the spy, and if you look at the past um, seven days, we've had four um, green candles. So I don't know if you guys studied candlesticks, Japanese candlesticks, um, but that's how I look. I, I look at my charts. Um, so we have four big green candles versus uh, three red candles. So basically, four bullish days versus three bearish days. So I want to say that it's sort of it's trying to find a bottom right now, and if you're looking exactly at the spy, um, if we go below the level of 285.54, I would say now we're getting back into a more aggressive bearish mode. If we don't break that that line at all, then I would say we're starting to feel a bottom. I would look into you know. I definitely ask Everson, you know, what kind of companies are you looking at? Because everything's at a discount right now, the good apples right. and the bad apples. Um, so I don't know if you guys know, but Everson has a mentoring and coaching uh, system. And so if you guys want to learn more about taking advantage of this moment right now, if we can find a bottom here, definitely reach out to Everson and see if we, uh, if, uh, if you guys could work together and see what kind of apples you're, you want to, invest into because like i said everything's at discount right now um and so if we find the bottom right now is a very good time to buy uh, to buy and like patrick was talking about uh he's holding his positions right now why because he knows his positions are valuable so he's not just going to throw them away he's just going to try to reduce his cost basis if that makes sense um you got good dividend stocks you you stay in it i i'm with it (laughs) <laughs> so um, I just wanted to throw a, a stock out there, the stock that a lot of people have been talking about. And no, I'm not going to talk about AMD, my kryptonite. I hate that stock. But I wanted to see what you guys thought about Tesla. Um, it's just gone on a tremendous, tremendous path. Right. Um, would you would you guys actually buy Tesla on the dip from its 52-week high, or would you guys stay aside? So I'll, I'll start. Oh, yeah, go ahead, oh, Patrick. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, personally, the question that I wanted to ask you guys is, at $700, is Tesla at $200 discount, or is it $500 too expensive? My <laughs> personal opinion is that it's way too expensive. Tesla, there's a lot of hype around it. I feel like it's hyped too much. Right. There's... As I was talking about earlier, the big fear of missing out uh, syndrome really hit Tesla hard. Because as it kept going up, everyone knew that it was going up, right? So everyone wanted to get in on the action. 900 was way too high for that stock. And I know that some analysts kept raising their price expectancy uh, higher and higher and higher to meet that growth, right? Um but at the rate that it is right now, it's too expensive. I think that the company is overhyped. It has some good products, right? And there's a lot of goodwill towards the company. But some of the parts of the company aren't nearly as good as they claim to be. For example, um, their solar uh, aspect of the company, which we'll talk in a little bit. What do you think, Everson? No, I, I think that I'd agree with you for the most part. I mean, you look at the PE ratios, right? 
it's off the charts. It's trading, it, it, it's trading way too over it, its its value, uh, regardless of even if it made earnings or not. Uh, at levels that it's trading at, let's let's just look at other other car sectors, right? We got GM, we got Ford. Why are why is GM and Ford? It comes down to this, guys. It comes down to this. Electric car companies don't they don't have a profitability. They don't. They're, they're losing money. It, the company, any company that makes electric cars aren't profitable. That's the bottom line. Tesla has just started its journey in in becoming profitable. So to, to say that it's trading at this multiples, it, it's, it's out of control. And that's why, you know, going back to looking at stocks being discounted or not, I think this is your discount stock. I, I see you trade trade puts you do you do bears i mean i, I did a trade on this uh, on tesla i think it was about a week or two ago and uh i i did maybe about a little over maybe it was 200 percent somewhere around there almost 300 percent profitability so and this was on a on a puts that i had done uh one week put i i took a risk but i i saw that value that is just way just trending way too high it's sort of like our conversation on the side, Max, when we talked about Chipotle and how Chipotle was trading at just, you know, high high multiples, the P ratio out of out of control. It's a no-brainer. Once it once the stock starts to go parabolic like that, you got to sell it. So let me ask you this: um, Would you say that fundamentals sort of look at, let's say, a, a man's walking a dog on a leash? And so that man is walking on the sidewalks, and let's call that the true value of the stock. And wherever the dog goes, left or right, based on the length of the leash, that's sort of where the, the stock price goes. So it can only go so much higher than its true value, and it can only go so much lower than its true value. Is that sort of the, a, a good analogy of what you're looking at when you're looking at the P ratios and the fundamentals of a stock? I look at the value of the stock also. Um, if we were, I mean, we got to look at the fact that is, you know, we got to give Tesla credit. Um, just going back to Tesla again, we got to give Tesla credit uh, with their technology. They, they're advancing their technology. You can see why China would invest in, in the company. I mean, China's put up billions of dollars. I think it was in the, I think it was about ten billion dollars or, or something like this um, into developing the uh, manufacturing facility there in China, but they can't get no workers to show up because of, you know, if you do show up to work in the masses, then you could be punished for it. So that that's your supply chain issue there. Um, but they've, they've tried to do a workaround where they dubbed down the chips that's in the automation uh, side of the model uh, type three, the uh, Tesla type three. So, you know, at, at what what point do you try to compensate for for everything? And it, it really comes down to the investors, I think, at, in, in this point. If if the bulls will show up, then we we've seen what Tesla can do when the bulls show up. But in, in but based point, on what right now, it's so risky because what's going right. to support the company as the mark right. as the market is down? The sales are decent, but the company is just not established enough uh, and the financials aren't there to support the company staying at 700 or above. And to, and to weather a health crisis. 
uh, you're right. You're right about that. That's why I, you know, you even got the the, the Fed's reducing uh, interest rates. Even with that added benefit to encourage people to spend money and, and buy cars and buy homes and open loans on, on uh, personal personal loans for credit, it still doesn't do the the justice of the reality of this. this is a health crisis. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, just looking at the chart for Tesla, I'm looking at a. Um, uh, moving average, a short moving average is about to cross below a long moving average. And usually when that happens, the stock will begin to retrace at a pretty, pretty fast rate. Um, so on my stance for Tesla, I would either be buying puts, um, I would be shorting the stock, but I would not be a buyer. Um, and then Patrick, I had one question for you. When yep. you're looking at the news and you're reading through the data and the, um, the articles do you feel that a few articles well placed can actually create a bigger discount on the stock or you know increase the stock's likelihood of being oversold or overbought um i'm not sure about that i feel like it's just a general consensus in the population which we i think we all agree that in general uh, the majority is wrong, right? And right now, the majority is a big fan of Tesla. And I have nothing against the company itself. It's just the price at 700 is too high. It's, it's people fearing uh, that they're going to miss out. So my question for you is you, you believe that it's going to go back down. You agree with me. Like, what point should we start looking at it as actually investable versus now? Um, I'm a buyer at 200. You're a buyer at 200. Uh, I'm definitely a buyer at 200. Uh, that would it's, be a... it's still it's still trading at high multiples, even at 200. I mean, realistically, let's look at look at Ford. Ford is trading at like six dollars per share, right? Um, just just shy of seven dollars per share. Uh, I think uh, GM was trading somewhere in the ballpark figure of uh, thirty dollars per share. I haven't taken a look at it uh, uh, last week, so I wouldn't know how far it's dropped or increased or whatnot. But you really, you know, $80 would, would probably be an, an okay uh, price target for it. Uh, but will it go to 80? Probably not. It, it'll probably drop. I think it could lose another 200. I really do from here to 300. Okay, so right now it's at 700. So you're talking about dropping about 200 to 500. Would you buy it at that point? Two to 300, I think it drops, and we'll just see see where it goes. Uh, oftentimes, when I'm looking at, at stocks like this, I, I do the the testing strategy where you 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 create a resistance or you create a support level, right? And if it breaks past the resistance or support level, then you kind of you kind of test it out. Uh, usually, two three days will will show you where that breakout's going to go. Well, uh, once it's past the resistance, like for the VIX, I'll give you an example for the VIX, right? I I put a I put a target on the VIX at thirty six dollars. Uh, once it broke the thirty six dollars, I knew it was going to just just explode from there. And and what do we see? The VIX right now is trading on futures at fifty dollars per share. Close to $50, that's insane. 
We got it at 46, I believe, $46 per share. I say that if it breaks past next week, $50 per share, we're looking at a heavy bull market. I think you can see it. Hey, Everson, for the listeners that aren't as familiar, can you just touch briefly on what the VIX is? So the VIX would be a hedge against the market. So you have your S&P 500, you have your Dow Jones, you have your NASDAQ. There are a bunch of companies that's made up uh, the sector. So for instance, NASDAQ is a technology company, Dow Jones are your industries, S&P 500s are uh, a collection of various different companies that, that make up uh, the 500 companies. So the VIX would be the hedge against all of them. When the market goes down, the VIX goes up. So this, this would be your hedge. And it's just an index. So you can't actually invest in the VIX per se. Likewise, you, you can't necessarily invest in the S&P 500, the NASDAQ or the Dow Jones. These are just indexes. But you can invest in, in supported uh, uh, ETFs of them or uh, stock tickers, for instance, the, uh, the I think it was a VIIX or the VIXX is one of them. Uh, yeah. VIXY is another uh, for S&P 500. If you wanted to do those, you could pick them individually stocks. Uh, you could do that. Or we have some uh, ETFs that's out there. Just do your research on some of them. There's plenty of, uh, plenty of ETFs that sort of mimic the design of S&P 500 NASDAQ and the Dow Jones. That was a great point, Patrick, for our viewers, just to make sure that they are up to speed. Um, I did want to bring back something that you said, Patrick, which was really important. I hope viewers understood it. You said the majority is always wrong. And I just had a small dem demonstration to kind of illustrate your point is let's say you have five people and they each have one dollar. And let's say that my pinky decides that the market's going to go down and everyone else thinks that the market's going to go up. If the pinky is wrong, then everyone is has now has a dollar and 25 cents mm. it's not a big deal but if the pinky is right and everyone else is wrong now the pinky has five dollars everyone else has zero dollars that's why you always want to go against the trend you want to go against the majority because that's where the money is if you stick with the flow you're going to make pennies does that make sense yeah, so let's just go back to Tesla because I feel like that's a stock that's going to be really interesting for people. Uh, a lot. Of, what would you do if you had Tesla shares right now? I don't know what the listeners purchased it at, but what should they do if they got it while it was going up at like 600 or 800? I say if you buy a call, if you bought a call, you might as well just hang on to the call if you're in the negative, if you're too far out, right? Hang on to the call, but do a reverse with buying some puts. Um, to me, if you see the thing is, I don't really believe in the stock right now. But if I had Tesla right now, um, and I saw it retrace, am I in the profit right now, or am I in the red, Patrick? Give both scenarios. Okay, so if I have Tesla and I'm in the red, uh, it depends how much. Um, and it also depends on what I feel the future for Tesla is going to be. I think it's going to go down. So I would either cut my losses short or I would start selling in the money calls just to make sure I'm hedging for any future losses and I collect some theta in the meantime. 
Um, if I just like what Everson was talking about, where he just bought some calls, uh, whether I'm in profit or not, um, I would set, I would definitely sell some calls on that position uh, to reduce my exposure, make sure that my potential profit is a lot greater than my risk. Um, well, I think that's it for today. Um, we want to make sure that we're creating a platform where we're giving you guys a lot of value. So not only are we having a conversation in real time of what we feel is going to happen in the week, but we also want to make it so that you guys can learn a few things. Why are we doing the decisions that we're doing? You know, and um, so talking about the majority always loses, you know, little things like that can take you to the next level if you're a trader. Um, so this is our first episode. I'm so excited. We had a great time. And we will see you guys next week on behalf of Everson, Patrick, and myself. Make it a great trade or not, the choice is yours. Awesome. Great first episode. All right. So we can cut from Actually, that point. Actually, didn't tell them to subscribe or thumbs up.